0: Hi, I'm Jim, and I'm David, and And this this is the Practical Practical Guitarist Guitarist Podcast, the podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitarists will love Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and the fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitarist podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash Practical Guitarist or on Twitter as at Practical Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available. This episode of The Practical Guitarist was brought to you by Jim and Dave and featured arguments, problems recording, and other miscellaneous issues. Thanks for tuning in, and we've tried to deliver for you the best episode we could with what we had. So, from the bottom of our hearts, we apologize. Hi, Jim. Hi, David. So I had this whole gimmick worked out for this episode.
1: Yeah, so how's your moment of zen doing right now? It's
0: fucking doing terrible. <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: You know that guy is, that wrote that that uh, that review is gonna is gonna uh, is gonna be fuck gone. him, <laughs> fuck him, okay, <laughs> fuck him. I, I I don't care how
0: you fuck him. He's a bag of dicks, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> so uh. We just went forty eight minutes into an episode only to have the software that's recording the episode corrupt the file and crash. Okay, so <clears throat> now we're trying round two, and uh, my initial intention was to out a troll begin with and we'll talk about what a troll is because it's now come up in the come up in the facebook group while the episode was going on and um i want to talk a little bit about that i also want to now there's somebody vacuuming in the goddamn hallway i hope that that does not end up on the recording i apologize if it does um, so we got a review right and it, and it is as follows the person says uh the title of the review is obnoxious it's one star It's by a person named Done with Heart on November seventh, twenty eighteen. He says, "Angry, annoying, obnoxious." That's one. The other dude is very bland and boring. One obnoxious and angry little man. One drab, dull, and boring little man. One podcast that should never waste your time.
1: Okay, so here's what we'd like you guys to do: tell us who's obnoxious and who's boring. Yeah, that's a good idea. We just want to know. We just I'm just trying to figure it out now,
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you listen to that one episode, what is it? um, um shoot um
1: Zen, no uh song of our people, yeah, the song of our people, you're definitely the angry one,
0: yeah song so <laughs> uh song of my people starts with me screaming into the microphone, okay, <laughs> um that <laughs> I think it's pretty clear of that one, but but let let the audience decide, but my point is. We out trolls, okay? When you when you're gonna send a uh, put a, a review on our on our uh, podcast, please. Two things: number one, listen to more than one episode because this person right. has clearly only listened to one episode. Number two, uh, make sure it's constructive. I mean, come on! I don't care if you if you give us a one star review and you tell us what you don't like and how we could improve it, I'll be thrilled. I won't even read it on the show, right? Um, it, this this is just ridiculous. This guy's just being a jerk to be a jerk. And well, okay, fine.
1: I, I would read any review on the show. I think that, that any review is good. I just think that this guy was just being a little, you know, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. The, the If you were a person looking for a, a show and you saw something like that, what does it mean to you? I mean, I, it's so, just like, this amp sucked. So the gimmick, okay, which which I worked really hard
0: for 48 minutes to pull off, was to be... Zen like to he relax
1: he, and be to in tone. He actually got to about 35 minutes. Yeah, I got to about 35 30 minutes. About. And
0: then Jim Jim started talking about uh, the recording industry. And, <laughs> no, he started talking about yeah. Apple Computer. And then I just fucking lost it. I was like, I, and I
1: didn't even say anything bad or good about Apple Computer. No, and neither did I.
0: That's the whole point. Like, I'm, <laughs> I not, I, I, I'm just saying, stop making out like it's a big fucking <laughs> deal that somebody has an Apple Computer. Like, it's come on. <laughs> So,
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, but yeah. So he went on this terrible rampage, and I really don't want to have to go through it again. Yeah, we're not going to again. That's that
0: basically was, that's the gist of it.
1: I'm laughing because for for 15 minutes that you don't have to listen to, he was going on, on about how people hate Apple people and Apple users and stuff. They, and I'm like, I don't know anybody that hates someone. That uses oh, Apple, I do. But I do. I guess you know,
0: I do, but. Um, well, and I, I, I did bring up one point that I do want to talk about in this episode, and that is but when people say things like, um, and I find this extremely offensive, especially having had two family members that fought against the son of a bitch. Um, right. I, I find this extremely offensive to for someone to say PC is the master race. Does right. anybody know where
1: that term comes from? Because I'm guaranteeing you, you probably do. Well, considering right. the fact that some of... The, uh, I'm you, I, this is That sounds racist. Um, <laughs> but I have a lot of very good friends who would really find that racist. Um, so, uh, including myself, obviously. So I'm not sure that I'm crazy about the fact that somebody uses that uh, term, but I hear it all the time in the gaming industry constantly. So I kind of... I realize I have to remove myself from what the initial meaning or the initial tone of master Race is, And just they're saying that if they're on a PC, they're better gamers than you. But let's, Hey, we're a guitar podcast.
0: Yeah. So we're going to leave that one in the dust. We're going to stay there. But what we did talk about, which we, which we'll get to later in the show is we're going to talk a little bit about the, um, the change in landscape for the recording industry and distribution and sales and how, um, the, digitiza- the digitization of music has really changed the landscape. Um, this comes out of a, com- a conversation we're having, and we'll probably start with this part of it: is that
1: uh, did you, you know guys want to hear Dave see, hear, say that three times fast? Digitization, digitization, <laughs> digitization, <Yes>. <laughs> digitization. <laughs> it's kind of hard. I to have get a through. very
0: smug fucking look on my face right now. Uh, is that is that an ice cream truck, Jim?
1: No, that was my alarm. I have to, um, I have to call my father-in-law and wish him a happy birthday. Ah, uh, uh,
0: happy birthday to Jim's father-in-law. Yes,
1: yeah. let's not forget. <laughs> so I'm saying it out here: Happy birthday! His his name half to speed, David.
0: Okay. Um, my birthday will be shortly. Uh so I will be 34 this year. We will one step closer to death. Um, I'm a lot closer than you are. Yeah, I'm. I. I bad for you jim it came up in the inner circle the other day. asked me about it at the end of this episode i'll, I'll bring it up okay um, so all right so they, this all born out of a conversation that we were having about nickelback yes uh, on our last episode we talked about nickelback jim was attempting to provoke me uh in my moment of zen which he did so successfully um <laughs> about about nickelback and it, it really the conversation stems from um, a couple of things. Number one, we, we were kind of laughing because in a Wikipedia article, they mentioned that Nickelback started with an $8,000 uh, investment from Chad Kroger's father uh, that they proceeded to use 4000 to record a record and the other 4000 on shrooms. Um, <laughs> so Jim, take it away. I guess we could start from there.
1: Well, I just, you know, <clears throat> all I was saying is that that it comes down to the fact that these guys... Number one, yes, they signed a contract. You're absolutely right. And uh, that contra- in that contract, they, you know, they they agreed to take money and and make albums. Um, but they really, honestly, at a at the level they were when a band first gets a recording contract, they don't have the ability to say you're going to put. They may may not always, but may have some say in what the cover of the album looks like. But for the most part. A record deal, you know, even even when they got it, which was what 2000, 2001. I
0: had. I think it was before that. I think it was in like ninety nine.
1: Yeah, they they didn't really have any real say. It was like
0: they had, one, they had one album to their name, and it was. I don't think it was. A, I don't think it was a major label release. I think it was basically a demo. I thought it was. And EP they got signed something. based off the EP. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and then that got re released and redone. I think
1: correct, remastered and all that. So if you look, if you think, probably re-recorded, <clears throat> if you think about all that, then you can't really blame them for somebody going, they're a rock band. And what we were talking about at that point was pop music.
0: There is, is a different. distinct separation between Nickelback being either a rock band or a pop band. And that's what okay. this was and this is,
1: Yeah, this is where, just like when I grew up, people would say, ACDC is not metal. But you'd go into a record store, and there was ACDC in the metal. Well, they're band. not a metal band, but they are a rock band. <laughs> but they were, but but in 1976, 1975, when they first hit the states, really, for any, it, it, I mean, those of us who are ACDC dc ba- definitely band, a so high energy rock and
0: roll band. Yeah, I mean, right.
1: That was around the time of because um, uh, they hadn't they hadn't gotten Dirty Deeds over here. Yeah, yet. Our, our definitions had of metal gotten,
0: have definitely shifted since. So, so.
1: Right. So AC/DC's, um, you know bigger stuff at that point was, um, uh, the, if you want blood, you've got it tour, which was touring right. the album, you know, um, uh, crap, <laughs> let there be rock. Right. So you've got, let there be rock. And that, and people were like, Oh yeah, that's heavy metal. And of course, deep purple, that's heavy metal. And you know, and, yeah. And so I there, mean, now I would consider that's proto metal. <laughs> yeah. And when you went to a record store, <laughs> you had ooh, that's gonna hurt um <laughs> Ew, what the fuck does that hurt no <laughs> all right so <clears throat> that was me adjusting the microphone
0: that was me being annoying and angry
1: yeah so um <laughs> the uh so anyway um so when you go into a record store i hear my friends all the time well that's not metal and then you get later Oh, that's not metal Oh, Judas Priest is now not metal. Okay, and then you'd have um, somebody saying, "Oh, well, now um, you know." Uh, and then we get subgenres of metal, just like we were yeah, talking cool. about the other day: black metal and dark metal and black, it's just anything metal. Part in of metal. the word
0: metal is now a genre. Okay, and I
1: don't even I don't even understand the post grunge and pre. I, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> post grunge. Oh, what the fuck is that? Yeah, exactly. There is a thing called post grunge. <clears throat> and It's post modern, like ambient show wave. Jim, but yeah, I mean, is there post disco disco? I mean, I just don't understand what the, you know, but the, but the fact is that when people walked into a record store back, back when we had record stores, I don't get it now. I got it back then. Understood it back then. When you walked into a record store, you kind of wanted to know if you, cause let me tell you something. You go walk into a tower records and it was yeah. like you're walking into Walmart and yeah. it was all records. Now yeah. imagine it doesn't just, exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. So just like your groceries, you might, call, one person might call pasta, pasta, and another person might call pasta. Fucking um, noodles. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, but that's still going to be on the same aisle. Some people might say pasta. Oh, that's Italian food. So it's ethnic. Yeah. So, in other words, <clears throat> it's, it's really, what the hell? So um, when you walked into Tower Records, you had to know where the hell you were going to go. Because I was like, Ooh, where's this band Iron Maiden? I'm going to have them. Oh, that's right there. They're heavy yeah. metal. It was metal. It was heavy metal. It was hard rock. It was acid rock. We had, yeah. we had something called yeah, acid rock. I remember rock, that. I think ACDC was was considered acid rock, at least by a lot of people. Um, but the point is <clears throat> that that everybody's got to put a genre on something. I don't think Nickelback went out and said, yeah, we're a rock band. They just say, hey, we're a band. This is our music. You like it? Well, fine. Buy it. We appreciate it. If you don't like it, so what? And... And I think that any band says that. I don't care what band it is. That could be Aerosmith. That could be Judas Priest. That could be, um, you know, uh, uh, what's one of your new bands that you people like? Like Inklebird, Dink or something. I mean.
0: Mastodon. So,
1: <laughs> Mastodon, Ghost. That's another one. I would have looked for Ghost in death metal. I never would have known that they were postmodern. And when grunge. you
0: heard them, though, you were like, this isn't metal. Like, what the hell so is I this? Thought,
1: is? I thought it was, was Styx trying to do metal. Yeah. And I still, since they wear makeup and stuff, maybe it is sticks. But anyway, <laughs> um, so that could be that could be Tommy Shaw.
0: No, it's you Tobias know, Forge.
1: <laughs> no, the guy. Yeah, Tommy Shaw can actually sing in tune. But anyway, uh, wow, that's debatable. Yeah, that's debatable. Know. Oh, I don't know. I've I, seen I've seen him on uh, various TV
0: shows performing with sticks, and I'm kind of like, I don't understand this.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tommy Shaw can stick. He can definitely. But anyway, that's beside the point. The, the the point that I'm getting at is that that record or bands don't that oftentimes you'll hear bands in interviews and you and somebody will say, Yeah, you know, in uh blah blah blah, this you know, this um uh Rolling Stone called you this, or this one called you that when it was referring to genres. And they're like, I don't know how they got that genre. We just do our thing, man. And that's pretty yeah. much I think what every band does, no?
0: All right, all right, all right. So I'm. I. If we're gonna have this discussion, because this is different than than the previous recording session, um, this discussion really is born out. I, I think when people started forming rock bands, that was kind of the way they looked at both. We're in a rock band. They didn't try to subgenreize themselves into something else, but they did make a very specific distinction about we're not classical music. We're not, we're definitely not jazz, and we're definitely not blues. so What are we? We're a rock band, right? Um, when the the uh industry and i don't mean just the industry but the record shops and everybody decides okay we're going to start genreizing everything and so that people can have a easier way to find things i think most artists were kind of offended by that because it's like we want our record to be right next to led zeppelin and and acdc and iron maiden and all these other groups right um so i think there was kind of an attitude where it was like you can't categorize us You know, that kind of thing, which which goes along with the whole rock and roll attitude in general, which is kind of like, fuck the system. We don't we don't care what you think, Um, which I know punk rock likes to claim that they invented that. But it happened a long time before punk rock. Um, So the reason I say this is because I know a lot of modern bands that I've worked with in some capacity or another wanted to very specifically select a genre so that they could have a guideline as to where that where they stopped and ended right so they would say okay we're art rock and then they would go pull a bunch of art rock bands and be like okay so this is kind of what we sound like and they and a lot of times it would be a decision to arrive um, to by like what their influences were. and so it was like well you know we're kind of like this and this and this and these bands are you know ambient show wave and so we're going to be an ambient show wave band um, I don't know that and I think it really is not born out of, okay, so let's write some songs and then figure out what we are. I'm sure bands do it the other way, but a lot of the bands I've worked with, they were like, before we even put pen to, pen to paper to actually write a song, we decided what we were going to do, which is like, we're going to do this. And so this is the music that's born out of that. Now Nickelback, um, I feel like, and based on that interview we watched, I feel like they very consciously decided to be um, a very open style of rock music that everyone could relate to i.e pop music right um which generally speaking pop music is an amalgamation of anything that can can be uh commoditized and i know that that's a a negative thing for a lot of people um i have my own negative connotation associated with it but i don't so i don't demonize it i i listen to a lot of pop bands too i listen to prince and and uh, other artists um that that were you know, pop in their day. Jimi Hendrix was a pop musician in his day. He was not seen as as a rock musician by a lot of people. Rock music in general used to be called pop rock because it was popular rock music, right? So um, the reason why I pick fights with Nickelback uh, and some of their contemporaries is because they were so self-aware that they could make money doing it that they targeted that. It was like, well, this is our job. This is what we're going to do as a job. And that's fine. Um, I just think that that making the the statement that, like, I don't really care about the music I write as long as it makes money is basically, um, it's commoditizing, but it's also losing integrity. And once you lose that artistic integrity where you really don't care uh, about anything else other than how much money is going into your pocket, um, you don't care if you have any say in what your album cover art looks like. Uh, It's... As long as it sells, you don't care. You don't care who the producer is as long as it sells. You don't care who, you know, all of those little decisions that go into making something which I would consider art um, is something worth talking about in 100 years don't necessarily matter. And that's what I want to, I I didn't point this out in the original original discussion, but this is some food for thought, Jim. When Mozart wrote, um, many of his pieces were very popular, right? um he is a, he is the counter argument to bach right when bach wrote it's not really known how super popular he, his music was right and it took mendelssohn to find his music in a church basement hundreds of years after his death 400 years after his death i believe he found his music in the church basement and said we should perform some of this stuff you could see it was brilliant just by looking at the page and going i don't understand this now we all look back and we go wow Bach was probably one of the most artistic composers of all time. Now, I digress because we don't have all the compositions from all the composers of his, you know, that were contemporary to him. And so it would be very difficult to make that statement, but we do know that Bach was brilliant. And maybe the other guys were brilliant at that time, too. And the point is that um, Bach didn't lose his integrity. He he did make money. He 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 lived fairly well. He was not buried in a pauper's grave like Mozart was. Um, which is Again, that's an interesting counter argument here. You know, Mozart went around um kind of very publicly denouncing certain composers and things because um he well, like in the movie, he said things like too many notes, you know. Um, who is he to decide that? And history judged him correct by by a lot of standards, but at the same time, his contemporaries hated him. And so he was buried in a pauper's grave. He was poor when he died. Same thing with um uh Beethoven, right? So my point is that in 500 years, we don't know how this landscape is going to be perceived. Um, it, it, it's a very like disjointed thing, and so we may not, to some extent, be able to determine what's art by looking around today. But I can say this: there are things I enjoy, and there's things I don't. I like my 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 rock music a little rougher. I like it to be a little bit nasty and ugly. Um, so for me, Nickelback is just a no. Um, but for other people obviously they've sold millions of records um but the one thing i wanted to point out because we didn't talk about it in the other episode though or the other uh version of this episode we were recording um you posted the video on uh robert jackson's uh t-shirt thing of them saying um what oh they were like oh well we may tell me you know 10 million off those first two albums or whatever and then you know industry basically got pulled out from underneath us and you know we did really well in the beginning but you know it'd be nice if we were doing better now that's kind of what it seemed like to me
1: <clears throat> <clears throat> no I, I the way i read it the way i saw it was uh, what they were saying is that they said they sold what it was is one of their albums and i don't know which has gone uh 10 time,
0: yeah t- 10 times platinum right
1: and they and believe me if you watch the interview they they know that they're like I don't know how we got here, and we're afraid we're going to get the wool pulled out from under us, because there's only so many artists that have sold 10 million. And, and I think they, um, they really are humbled by that. But that said, whether you believe that or not, whether, you know, whether anybody, doesn't matter. Um, the takeaway I got from it was they said, but now, this is what they were saying. We, we made our money. We do whatever we want we play whatever we want and and we can enjoy it the unfortunate fact of the matter is they said what we're trying to what uh, um, these bands that are you know trying to say hey you should pay for your your music is that you want somebody to come out with a good album you want somebody to create some new stuff you want somebody to do some new things you should be willing to pay for it you don't walk in and walk out with with something in your arms and they said, you know, you're not hurting us. We realize that. We made it. We, you, you taking a few dollars out of our pocket, that's not going to hurt us. We're talking about the people that come after us. And, and I think that's the point that a lot of people miss when they get to that whole, oh, oh, I'm stealing from millionaires. So who cares? Well, not if you're. I, I, and I'm going to go a little bit further with that because I'm going to take it into a more of a, of a right now guitar realm. So, Phil McKnight just posted a, um, a uh, recording or a YouTube video where he was talking about this, this guitar that um, it's, it's Mayonnaise. It, it looks like it says Mayonnaise, the name of the guitar, but it's Mayonnaise, which is a relatively almost unheard of guitar, right? It, it's expensive. They're, they are expensive only because they are uh, guitars that are made to order. You get them. You get them, kind of like uh, any other custom guitar. You get them as you order them. They don't have them sitting in the you know store shelves, <clears throat> not all over the place. Well, anyway, so these guitars go for three, four thousand dollars, but there's not a lot of them. And you would think, well, eh, there's no money in trying to fake those. Yep, they're faking them. He found a fake. He said, and here's how I know it's a fake. He showed all he showed all the things that had to do with their fakery. Because he, he said, I've never actually played one, but I did. He and and he showed outtakes from his his um, interview with mayonnaise. Um, he he showed how you know the, the build quality in those.
0: Yeah so, so here here's the thing, you're talking about faked. Yeah. If you have any guitar and you want it faked, China will do it for you.
1: That's right. They don't and they he, don't
0: care, they don't care. They're not, they, it's not about like flooding the market with them. They're just making a one-off for some guy. That's the way they perceive it.
1: And and they will come in, you know, super cheap, but they will be super cheap. But but my point is, stealing is stealing. You mm-hmm. know, and the fact is that what happened was the person that that got this fake then turned around and sold it. And here's here's where the trick came. He said, "Hey, you know, um, I'm going through a divorce, and I." Got to sell this to be able to pay the old bag. So yeah, can, they're
0: playing they're playing games to get people to buy into it.
1: So I know this is a three or four thousand dollar guitar or whatever. Yeah, um, just like that guitar that, that, that showed that back
0: up, was, up at my house, huh?
1: That's right. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about that, right? Because yeah, that is that there, was where your moment of Zen came from. Um, <laughs> and it and it's like oh, so now it's a piece of crap. The, but um, it, so then the person that's the buyer goes, wow, I'm only out a couple hundred bucks on this guitar. And it's worth a lot of money. So if I put a little bit more money into it, I've got a real good deal. And then they find out they didn't get a good deal. They got had. Yeah. And that's what happened. You know, these um, I know that's a little off the rails, but when people when people steal, they steal. And when you when you steal a um when you steal a guitar, when you're stealing, um when you're stealing the uh you know, you're stealing the the copyright of the guitar, and everybody's like, well, it's all right. Yeah, until it screws somebody over. And this is the same thing that we're talking about. It's it's not okay to steal steal music. But my point, you know, coming back to Nickelback's thing is, and I don't want to get stuck on nickel, because it's not just
0: Nickelback. No, this isn't about Nickelback, really.
1: This is just about <clears throat> musicians and and the fact that look, I think Nickelback would have been just as happy writing music for, you know, Steel Diamond or whatever you can. Yeah, and that, that was what
0: that's what I actually how we were kind of arrived at the next part, which is that Um, I mentioned that, you know, hey, Nickelback, I would have zero problem with them if they were writing music for other people and it was not being performed in exact, you know, being performed in the exact same way. Because the album we were, the song we were talking about was Sex, S-E-X, Nickelback. And uh, my comment was that it sounds like a Michael Jackson tune played by a metal band. Um, And there's something wrong about, to me, about the level of production in it. And it's not, it's very squeaky clean. And that's basically what it, uh, prompted me to say, you know,
1: I like my rock a little bit. Uh, for some people that song is ugly. And and that's the thing that that it depends on on your perspective. Yeah. If you yeah. listen to if you listen to the lyrics and you read the lyrics, there is an ugly not an ugly sign.
0: Oh sure, sure. But actually the song is like it's so well written in the in the in the you know the poppy style of like we're gonna have this very specific rhythm and It's very calculated. It's super calculated to the point where it loses all spontaneity. And that's why I'm like.
1: Let's take it. Let's take it out of Def Leppard and into into, or I mean, uh, out of Nickelback and into Def Leppard. That's a perfect example. Perfect example. Are they a rock band or pop band? They are a pop band. (laughs) But they were, but they were, they were classified
0: that way by the music retailers but not by the listeners
1: they were marketed as rock play right and and the truth of the matter is again you know you get you got a a band who their their roots are in king crimson and and music like that so it's
0: maybe i mean i uriah could see Heep i could see and, that uriah Heep. yes king yeah. crimson is nothing like uriah heap
1: well i'm just saying those are the those are the <laughs> the people that um, you know they they mention and the thing is that again it's a band that Everything was calculated Why? Because not because Def Leopard, if Def Leopard was left to their ways, they probably would have come up with a lot shittier music. Believe me, if you listen to their first album, it was a completely different thing. Yeah, you it's a rock second, album. Yeah, you get that second album when um John when the
0: producer Mutt- basically takes
1: over. That's right. When High and Dry and John Mutt Lane got behind it, that was produced. Let's listen, listen to ACDC. The reason that there's such a, a a division of people with Brian Johnson and Bon Scott. Was because Bon Scott only got one album with same producer, Mutt Lange. Mutt Lange produced um, for the uh, uh, Highway to Hell, but the rest of that stuff that was all produced gotcha. by. And, um,
0: and, and the thing Lang is, like, I it. can stomach the ACDC production even under Mutt Lange because Mutt Lange seemed to know that those guys had to play the music roughly. When he got to, to, um, it was almost like he was experimenting with with uh, uh, Def Leppard. It was like, well, these guys are really capable of doing very, very refined rock music. So let's see what that sounds like. And, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, so that's what I was going to get to. So Mutt Lang um, uh, was um, already producing... ACDC when it got around to Jeff Leppard, right? I remember, so uh, seventy nine and,
0: and, and who did he end with though? Let's let's
1: let's point this out. Jeff Leppard, no, who did well, you no, know? he ended with Shania Twain. Yeah, that's so, fucked up. I mean, he's still probably doing more stuff, but I'm no, just he saying. is. But I mean, like Shania Ch- Twain, Shania was the, Twain is the massive, massive artist, bomb, right? yeah. And so if you if you take it, you take the rawness of if you want blood, you've got it. dirty It's done dirt cheap and. Those early ACDC albums.
0: To Pyromania, you know. And
1: then come up to, well, um, I'm talking about staying with the same band. You get to, to um, uh, Highway to Hell, a little more refined. John John Malang still didn't have the power yet. But when that album broke and then he came in said, we're going to do something different with I Black would not Back say, and Black.
0: I would not say that album was refined.
1: Uh, oh, it was more refined than the early stuff.
0: Yeah, but it's nowhere near what he did with, like, Def Leppard. And oh, no. And Pyro oh, Media. no. That,
1: that started because that started with Back in Black. And with Back in Black, which has sold 20 million, I think it's double, double diamond. So when you look at Back in Black now, that thing gave everybody involved a whole lot of money and a whole lot of power. So when they came back into the studio, they were, that was back when bands would release, you know, especially... Um, two albums podcasts, a year, yeah. You know, an album, two albums a year. Um, the next year we got For Those About to Rock. And if you listen to those three albums in a row, you can see it. You can see what he was getting ready to do with Def Leppard, who only came right after that, right after um, uh, For Those About to Rock. That was, that was when he was juggling the two and he was trying to make an ACDC out of Def Leppard and High and Dry, and then he said, "You know what? No, we're going to do Pyromania, or I don't remember which came up first, Pyromania. But um, the fact is that that those two next down from Def Leppard, those are the two pinnacle albums.
0: Yeah, those that are means- really the only two that anybody thinks about. Exactly, exactly. And they've continued down that path since. They've been they've been a more pop bands since. That's so right. They got a taste of they got a taste of it, and they were like, okay, we want the money."
1: And exactly. I you know what, I, I get it. Like, no, you know, if somebody waived um, a bunch of money in front of me, because by the way, this did happen. I, I want to I make this clear. This really did happen. So record company came up, offered a band I was in, a lot of money. And they said, you got a tour and this, that, and the other thing. So we sat down and we, we read through that paperwork with a fine tooth comb. There were five of them. And uh, here's what we decided. Keep it. We're gonna keep doing what we're doing. We did the we did the album. We did it on our own dime, and we released it. And we made our money back, and, and it was. But the fact is that um, we didn't make a ton of money. I obviously yeah, I mean don't without have
0: that big label lot. distribution.
1: Right. How how
0: long ago was that, Jim?
1: Oh geez, fifteen years ago.
0: Yeah, it's a different landscape today, though.
1: That's right, and it probably would be a different landscape as far as sales go.
0: That's right, yeah, because um, you would have social media to promote it.
1: Yeah, we would have had digital sales to go back it up. Really, back then, there were digital sales, but to get into it was still... Yeah. There, was, there, were, there were things that you had to get. There were tiers you had to meet. But to be honest, all we did was have CDs. And this was back when people bought CDs. Now you can't give a CD away. I wanted to talk about that here afterwards. But um, So we had CDs sitting in a box that our sound person would sell. And our, um, our manager, uh, she would go around and sell. And our sound person would sell. And um they they did the bulk of our sales and they would keep a small portion of that. But I'm gonna be honest with you, you know, we'd make we'd make say um a grand, a grand and a half on on a um a gig and um we may make another five hundred bucks on
0: yeah merch merch sales, right?
1: And a lot of time yeah on merch sales we had we had we had stickers that we gave away if you bought a CD you guys but we had t-shirts and things like that. We had we had a tour T-shirt. <laughs> Literally, had the cities. Yeah, And like back. four
0: four cities on the back. You know? No, I had like 20,
1: 25 Oh, okay. I, it was, right, it right, was pretty enough. big. I mean, it, we 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 toured New England and, and upstate New York. It was. Yeah, it we, was like we used a,
0: to tour the uh, Chicagoland area. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> we're playing Chicago. Yeah, that back on the back. I said the c- yeah, cities. Yeah, it's all the suburb names, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Orange or whatever. <laughs> so, um, sorry, folks. Uh, that. Um, so what I was saying is sometimes that money looks good. And we, we talked about this before in the, in the podcast, but you know, you got to pay that money back. And, and there have been bands that, did, um, I can't remember who I was reading the interview with. I want to say it was Def Leppard. They were talking about being on the road and we were, we would, we had just been talking about Def Leppard being a pop band, blah, blah, blah. They're out there. They're like, Oh, wow. We've got the number one record. We have a million records sold. And we're still living hand to mouth, you know, stopping McDonald's or whatever, and not even able to make our bills. Because the money hasn't trickled down to the band yet. Right, Movies are like that. Do you know why people fight for billing in movies? You know. You know what billing means in a movie or in a play, right? What does that mean? If you're top billing, what does that mean? It means
0: you get the most money out of the rest of the actors. And but you it, get, paid but it also me. means you usually get a, pay a portion of dividends and other things too off film. So, like for example, um, in Halloween, the, the most recent one, uh, of course, it was a ten million dollar budget, right? Jamie Lee Curtis, big actress, she's in the movie. Um, she made, uh, well, nobody knows exactly what she made, but they know that she got a portion of the proceeds of the film, and that was how yeah. they paid her. So, for that movie to been a hundred million dollar movie, which it was, in the, yep. and it's, I think in its opening weekend of all things, yeah. Um, it, crazy she probably got 10 million for that right right you know and then
1: I, and then um let's go back to star wars uh who was the only actor in the movie star wars who agreed to take um royalties movie rather than get paid a lump sum for his part
0: probably alec guinness alec guinness yeah I mean, Alec guinness. um because i know i uh, well i know the uh who's the guy that played uh 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 the-
1: the, right,
0: uh, commander, The guy from the Hammer Dracula films. His name Oh, is yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You
0: know what I'm talking about. The guy that played Van Helsing all the Hammer Dracula films. He would yeah. be the other guy that I would think that would be the one arguing for that too because he, he'd he been around the block. I mean, he'd yeah. done it a lot more. Um, yep.
1: Alec Guinness was the only one who took a, um, uh, what do they call it? They don't call it royalties. It's another thing. Gosh darn it. I got it the last, it came to me um, last time. Yeah, no,
0: but, but the same thing. We were talking about um, before in the the previous episode like the way that people get paid for recording uh, a lot of times is you know like how, who who actually performs on the track gets gets paid one so right there's three different unions, right? So there's the right. writers union. you get paid if you write the song, you get paid if you produce the song, you get paid if you perform on the song. and guess what you also get paid separately if you sing on the song. So if you can bring that four factor thing together, you can get four shares of a song, which is why you will see producers. Who play bass on a song and sing the backup vocal right yep. in addition to maybe even writing the song but but more importantly being involved in the recording process so uh i mean there, if you really talk about five unions there's those four unions and then there's also the engineers union which is another thing so right uh just to put it in perspective people don't understand how the business side of music works and it's really easy to make you know a statement like you said when somebody gets a, gets a, an offer like that, that, you know, that you supposedly shouldn't refuse. And then you look it over really closely and you say, you know, now that I understand the business side of this, because I've read the contract and now I understand based on the contract, how things work, like million dollars ain't much, especially if you have to go on tour and pay a road crew. And that's why nowadays road crews, oftentimes it's, it's like your buddy is your road crew you know you want to go out on tour you get that guy that knows how to set up your guitars every once in a while <laughs> and you you're like he's my tech now because he'll work for peanuts uh you know it's that kind of thing and it's it's sad um if unless you're involved in the road crew for a band like nickelback or any of those larger bands um you're not really going to be able to make ends meet on that road crew
1: <clears throat> no no usually those road crews are the people that they're they're just as interested in how much weed and um, yeah I mean in general road crews sets can, are going to
0: get in general road crews going back into like the the old you know the olden days of rock and roll the whole idea behind the road crew was like if you got off the road because said band was going off tour and they were going to go record or whatever you were hitching a ride with whatever other band would take you because whatever you didn't band. have money to have a residence
1: that's right your residence <laughs> was
0: the tour bus okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah. By the way, those things are called residuals.
0: Oh, uh, they're residual. Yeah, that's right.
1: Um, um, but anyway, the um, uh, I, I knew it was starting with an R, and I was like, "Ah, there's a there's a different name for it. It's not royalties. Royalties are different." But anyway, um, so <clears throat> the um, uh, the takeaway from it is that you know the money isn't the money isn't just that uh, that 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 upfront payment they give you. That's that's there, but then they start asking for that money back and um uh, that's based on on your your album's performance and so they you know they put you up in a hotel and and you're like oh man look at this they put us up in a mansion you know who's paying a rent for that mansion you are
0: yeah so ah. to go back to go back to what jim was talking about um we were talking about the 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 you know the era in which he received that, that they the band he was in received that offer um that was a different era, and so the way that the music industry operates now is really completely different. It started in the late 90s, actually right before Nickelback took hold, and some of the other groups of that generation, so there's Nickelback, Creed, and, and a couple other ones that were big of big bands. Um, right. And what ended up happening was, so like, you had Napster, right? The fallout from Napster in 97, 98, I, I would think it was around 98, 99-ish, um, is when uh, a the recording industry suddenly realized we don't have digital distribution, right? At the same time Apple is walking around toting, we have the iPod and we are putting together a music platform so that you can buy your music and put it on the device all in the same clearinghouse, right? Sounds like a good idea. So if you're the recording industry and Apple shows up at your door and what's just happened, Napster has just happened, right? So you know that that your music files that you can get from your computer can be traded and there's no copy protection and it's extremely easy to trade so what's your initial reaction going to be to apple it's gonna be a knee-jerk reaction you're gonna be like oh i can't we can't do this so apple decided the
1: beatles didn't
0: yeah well the beatles didn't for a long time afterward acdc too yeah yeah well a lot of the big bands stayed out of it because they had more control over their distribution rights so this goes back again to what we were talking about where your deal um you, you know we were saying that like oh well if you get offered a deal and you sell your soul. A lot of times they don't sell their soul. They're just willing to trust because they're going to make money. And they know that. So like ACDC, they own their own distribution rights. They can take them wherever they want. Um, And I think they actually own their own masters too, which different companies have different rules on that and different bands have different clout. So they can get things across that that don't normally happen. So um, Led Zeppelin, ACDC, the Beatles, Genesis, believe it or not, and a few other bands were very picky about where their music got posted. Now, so Apple's walking around and they're going, we got, we got the service. We really need people to sign up. So what are they going to do? They go back to the record companies and they say, okay, we got DRM and digital rights management, right? So we have copy protection and we are, we're going to put this in all this music. You can sign the dotted line with us. You're going to get a portion of the proceeds that really is big compared to what they used to get. When you oh, think yeah. about it, you used to buy CDs for <clears throat> 17 bucks a pop, right? Yep. Between fifteen and seventeen, and then right after iTunes broke, CDs dropped to thirteen bucks on average, and now they're like at eleven, right? Yep. So, um, what ended up happening was that these these record companies said, "Okay, so there's DRM in place. We're at least going to get a portion of the proceeds. We're going to sign on the dollar line." If you didn't, right. you were vaporized almost immediately. Um, the other, the other, uh, so, the, so these labels that signed, they had kind of a bumpy road because they were not making the money they used to. Many of them folded. Right. And about five years after the deal was was ratified, they, they, there was um, a window in there for contract renegotiation, and Apple went back and they said, okay, we're upping the sound quality of our music. That's good for consumers, right? And, uh, that, of course, it's probably also good for the recording industry because now, now you can say, all right, our, our music is higher quality through the service. Um, and then they said, oh, yeah. And by the way, we did two things that you didn't realize. Number one is we could authorize your music on five different devices. So people have been sharing it the whole time and we just kept it on the down low. So it's not that many people. So the sharing, we didn't get out of control. Oh yeah. And as part of this new contract, you're going to have to release your music without DRM. And they lost their fucking minds the the recording industry at first was like, what are you kidding me? That was the natural reaction of a recording executive at that time.
1: Yeah. But who had, so, so at that time, Who at that time, who was who was trying to create their own little world
0: oh yeah uh, the, the recording sony industry did sony. it
1: remember yeah. I mean, sony had and i'll tell you right now no, they nobody. got
0: fucked because of their class action lawsuit when they had those red cd's that destroyed people's computers when you tried to rip the music yeah yep. that's a legit thing and yep. they had a class action lawsuit and they lost their fucking shirt yes, and that they was did. the beginning of sony starting to starting to get their ass kicked because uh, they the no, only so thing, could, the only profitable thing is Sony right now is their video gaming division.
1: You could not touch Sony. Um, that's right. You could not touch Sony's music. I didn't want any of it. And then if you used a Zune, remember Microsoft. So Microsoft played played ball with those distributors, and or I mean they were distributors that with the um, record companies, and so they put DRM on stuff. So you'd buy something, then you'd buy a new Zune or a new computer, and you couldn't get the music to well,
0: play. So no, so the, so the, so the Zoom thing was, uh, so the other model, like the, the recording industry was looking at other people who were doing other models and they, and, and they wanted to cast their lot with them. But the problem is Apple got to them first. Okay. Nobody wanted to rent music. It just didn't make any sense. And 99 cents a song from Apple. It didn't make sense to rent music at, I and these subscriptions were not cheap in the beginning. They were like 25 and $30 a piece. Yeah. So, um, I, I at one point had a, a Windows Music subscription or whatever yep. they called it. And, and and I've had another one since. I had Xbox Music. Um, the, the point is that the none of these other services were able to make it, right? Um, now, there are competitor services to iTunes now. Um, I would say the people – so the iTunes service went hand-in-hand hand with the iPod. Right. And as the iPod dwindled and the iPhone started to come in, other services started to take hold. This is how we get our Spotify. This is how we got um what's the other one? There's another um starts so with a P. Pandora. Pandora. Okay, so Pandora I don't have a Pandora account either. This is how neither do I. Um, and this is how we get our uh uh you know our other services that crop up, right? Because so what happens? the Android world, now bear in mind, while all this is going on, there's still probably half the people, maybe three quarter of the people in this country are still ripping music off the internet. They're still buying music illegally. Right. So these other companies like Sam downloading
1: it illegally, they wouldn't be buying it illegally. Would be-
0: not, not buying it. Not, not stealing it, <laughs> stealing it. Okay. Yeah. Not buying. I have an
1: Android by the way.
0: Um, so a lot of these people, you know, they, they learn about BitTorrent and other things and faster ways to get the stuff illegally. Um, and this still goes on today. I mean, I know people right now who don't have a Pandora or Spotify account who are downloading music illegally. At the same time, um, shame on you, by the way, if you're doing that. Um, right. At the same time, Apple makes this plea in in 2005 ish to you know, hey, let's let's rip DR, let's strip DRM, and the and, and the music companies initially don't want to do it, and then Apple says, well, you're going to have to if you want to sign with us and continue to sell music. And they looked at their prospects and the other services that they were currently championing, Rhapsody and and Napster, yep, the Rhapsody service. Yep. And they went, "We have no choice because if we don't do this, we're going to lose." And the companies that didn't folded. And the, you remember how quickly, yeah. after that agreement was signed, that the bills came on board, and yep. and they opened negotiations because it wasn't it wasn't like an immediate thing, but like you heard rumors. The Beatles is now, you know, the Beatles, whoever owned the rights at that point, I forget who it was, um, is, I think it was a BMI or something like that, um, are are now negotiating with Apple to bring their music to the platform. And then Led Zeppelin followed suit and, mm-hmm. and Genesis got most of their music up there. There's some, still some gray area stuff that's owned by another company that's not on there. Um, and uh, even ACDC eventually came around.
1: ACDC was so adamant that their music was not going to be distributed digitally that they were one of the last company or last bands to well, also go. the um, truth was the truth
0: was by the time they actually made the decision it made them look like dinosaurs and yeah. i you know their last album what was the one that came out exclusively through through uh, walmart that, for yeah. per- purchase that shows you what dinosaurs they were because right. it because at that point like who would only distribute their record through through uh walmart i thought it was ridiculous when Guns N' Roses decided that they were only going to release Chinese democracy through Best Buy. But then it made sense because Chinese democracy was such an expensive record that they knew that they had to get somebody to pay for the cost.
1: That's well, so Walmart was doing that. um, Walmart had an, Sony was still fighting the fight. So Walmart got uh, a lot of bands that they typically wouldn't have gotten. And, you know, only recently Walmart's now saying, you know, I think it's, Ah, uh, Best Buy is doing it, and Walmart's following suit. You won't find CDs um, in Walmart or Best Buy. you can actually
0: you can too. actually download music <laughs> through Walmart right now yeah. and Best and Buy so, as well. Um, um,
1: i want to get I want to get through this. So um the what Walmart did was they got in bed with Sony, And so they got their big names. so they had they had exclusivity to um, acDC. They also had exclusivity, to Garth Brooks, you know, because Garth Brooks was still, big at that time they had kiss Um, i don't know if you remember when Kiss's album came out not too long ago that uh they had an exclusive contract with them so the fact is that walmart um was trying to keep their store alive and keep well not the store but their their music section alive and it wasn't going to happen because the truth is uh you know and and tell us in the um in the group how many people have a a computer with a CD in it anymore?
0: Yeah, I a mean, drive? I yeah. So, I mean, he you basically just said where I was where was heading was is that uh, media is dead at this point, like physical media, right. it's dead. And mm-hmm. we were talking in the, the previous recording session, right before we got cut off, we were talking about how uh, the the film industry is. They're in the same boat right now that music was 10 years ago and they still can't figure out what to do. No, they and can't. This this really boils down to and it speaks to a bigger issue that we have in our country, in the in the United States specifically, um, of we have leaders both in the industry and government who do not understand how anything technology works. They no. don't. We literally don't. net neutrality. If, I work for them. If, if you if you have it, if you have it. And this is this is a parallel to the show. I, I realize this is not on topic, but I, I think it's really important that people read this. If you haven't read as to why net neutrality happened the way it did, that the whole discussion in Congress, they mm-hmm. literally had the ISPs, the internet service providers, AT&T and all the different companies, telling them that they were creating the content on the
1: internet and they listened. That's what happened. You know, that was giving the... the- all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take us off on this tangent. That was giving the how uh, what is it the the fox in the hen house put the fox yeah. in, in charge of the head That's house. exactly what they did. Because and- now what they can do, and folks, I see it already on Cox. Um, they can choke your streams. So I have what um, I have. I pay for Gigablast. So I've got gigabit Ethernet. I've got gigabit Ethernet. Okay, it's only one way because obviously. Uh, they try right, to keep... Yeah. Download, up, upload, fastest, is not blah, 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 blah. it's not It's not yet. Anyway, because you wouldn't need, need gigabit if you, you know, if you were an everyday person, even a small business doesn't need gigabit. for But anyway, this is, this is what I'm... Doing. So, um, <clears throat> so Cox, I've got gigabit Ethernet and yet I've got like a 10 or 15 second delay on a lot of YouTubes. You know why? Because they don't want me to use YouTube. They still want me to, they still call me don't you want television? No. Yes. No, I don't want to. Te- I don't even know what's on TV. You don't want television, but but you they think you do. <laughs> but they 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 live in the forties. You know, they live way back in the two thousands, the early two thousands, when television was still. It's going to be like that scene
0: in uh, in uh, uh, was Back to TV the Mars.
1: Future. Yeah. You mean you have to use your hands? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean. <laughs> The truth of the matter is we've already got the TVs that are as big as the back the back of the future thing right so yeah um <clears throat> what what we what we have failed to recognize um or not we as as consumers the the con- the, the cable companies the mo- music companies the the movie companies have failed to recognize and novel companies now have failed to recognize is we don't want it we don't want it and Um, more and more books. I have a, um, so I have an audible account. So my books are, are now on audible, but damn it. I wish sometimes, believe it or not, sometimes I just want to be able to read because I want, I want to know that when I close my eyes, the input has quit.
0: Yeah. But, um,
1: the, um, but anyway, I've got an audible account. I've got, um, when it comes to music, I have, um, YouTube premium. So with that comes YouTube music. So anything that's on YouTube, I can listen to. And they have a, they have a deal too. So, um, and that's, and that's all, that's all included in my YouTube premium, by the way. So for the same thing you're paying 15 bucks a month or so, I have five family members that have unlimited use of that on Google accounts. Then, um, so I, and I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not. Um, and, uh, as far as, um, so that that covers me uh, there. I have Netflix and I'm about to get rid of Hulu. Because Hulu, yeah. Hulu is like a cable company. They want me to they want me to buy television before I can yeah. get multiple screens. Yeah. Fuck you, Hulu, stick it up your ass. I play Netflix, I get multiple screens for like I don't know, twelve. Yeah, it's bucks.
0: like thirteen or fourteen bucks a month. You get four K video and multiple displays. Exactly. 3D content and everything else. Netflix doesn't care
1: because they and, know. You're just buying this subscription, right? And lastly, until this ends, I buy my movies. Um, I go to the store, I buy the movie. It has a little digital code in it. I stick it in iTunes and I stick it in Vudu, and I have it in both.
0: Yeah, Vudu is so. No, Vudu. And that's is, uh, the one. You Ultra the other Violet, one is it?
1: Yes, that's Ultraviolet. Yeah, yeah. But I have it in both, David. No,
0: I so, know. I'm just laughing because I know that at some point they're going to pull the plug on Ultraviolet.
1: So if I pull. Maybe, but they can't, they can't take away my movies, right? But they can take away the ability to make more. Yeah.
0: yeah. They can take away your digital copy. They just can't take away your physical movie. Physical copy. Um,
1: it, and so, you know, the, the point is, you know, as I sat and watched basketball last night, right? So, um, you know that cause I put it on my home, uh, on my page. On no, Facebook. I actually
0: didn't see it. I watched
1: it. it two nights, two nights over two nights. I, I watched one half of it and watched the other. Nobody wants a DVR anymore. Nobody wants another fucking box it. in their house. You don't need and, it. And, but that's, that's what the cable company thinks you want.
0: No, that's and what the
1: cable are, company needs to sell you. They, don't, they know you don't want it. And now, now in certain time is limited. That's right. And now in, it, it, um, the, the companies that – and Scientific Atlanta um, knows that too because Scientific Atlanta is out there. Going, whoa, whoa, we, went, we built cable boxes. You don't need them anymore. And so Sci-Atlanta is going, oh, shit. We weren't doing a very good job with our modems before.
0: Nobody did R&D. Nope. Nobody. Because they 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 figured figured it was just going to stay that way forever. It's just like the recording industry.
1: When I first got a job, when I left uh, um, the Navy, um, well, I started out as a government contractor. That's a side point. When I got my first real civilian job, when I went over to um, work for uh, Bell Atlantic, somebody said to me, everybody's always going to need dial tone, Jim. No we don't. No we don't. We're all we're only we're only let's say I retired in 20 years in the future. I actually started working um, as a government contractor 20 years ago November. So next year it will have been 20 years when somebody said to me everybody will always need dial tone. Yeah, it only Wrong. took
0: 20 years to get rid of it. Wrong. Not even 20. It took it took 3 or something.
1: <laughs> and even back then we were asking why do we still support um, pay phones? And that was the, that was 99. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you were still walking around with a bag phone. some people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And
1: so it was only what a couple of years later and, and everybody had to have the, and I, I thought it was the funniest the, thing because all of a sudden the, the cell the phones were getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. The StarTech phone and then followed yeah, by the Razor. And then wow. we got down to the Razor and then it was like, Ooh, I had a Motorola Razor. And then somebody walks in and they go, I've got an iPhone.
0: Yeah. And I went,
1: What the fuck is that?
0: And everybody lost their fucking mind. And
1: everybody, everybody. And you know what I saw right after I saw the iPhone? Chinese knockoffs. My uncle said, yep, I've got an iPhone too. It's not an iPhone. It doesn't run iOS. What OS does that even have on it? (laughs) It doesn't even have one. But it looked like an iPhone. And, you know, so right along with it, we get the Chinese knockoffs. comes full circle right there, right?
0: Yeah. But but, but bring it back to music. So we had this distinct change in the industry. And and to your point, your deal for a lot of artists means nothing now because you can do, you can self-promote and self-produce and with very little investment financially and put a product out there. And if it's good and it gets picked up by some YouTuber or something and they use it as background music on their channel, you're getting paid. So I think that,
1: I think a separate discussion we should talk about another day is, is just that, how do you, how do you convince people? because i have some folks i wouldn't listen to their stuff if they were the greatest freaking musician on earth you know why because every f day i do not want to see your fucking email or your fucking post to my fucking page every day <clears throat> why are you doing this yeah I, I, but but, if, but jim if i, I want to listen to it i'll fucking listen to it you don't need to tell me every day that i'm not going
0: to i'm not going to out <laughs> people from our group but we've had a couple people in the group that we've had to silence because they wanna they wanna self promote in, in the Practical Guitars podcast group. This yep. kind of goes back to the discussion we had earlier about you know people in the group and things like that. Yep. Um,
1: it's okay to self promote. It's okay participate in the group. Be right. a genuine human being and
0: then self promote. Don't one just time. Right? Don't do it every fucking day because I'll ban your ass.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like I get it. You got a you got a YouTube channel. You got a new video out this week. That's fine. But if if you never do anything but promote your video channel, we're gonna we're gonna sign yeah,
0: it. or send it. You know, at the very minimum, talk to us before you do it. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, say hey, man, what's up? But dead, you're just a machine. You're just an ad machine, and we don't need ad machine machines.
0: Yeah. So so to go back, so to go back, so self promotion is one thing, right? It's yep. a big part of that. But I yep. think I think a lot of people think, oh well, if I just self promote, I'm gonna suddenly have this big hit, and people are actually gonna download my record. Look, no, still I, know guy, I know a guy. I know a guy who has a 30,000-listener podcast or some some crazy shit like that. And he's talked about his record on the podcast, and he, he makes like $60 a year off of his record. <laughs> we, we should tell you right there, going on Facebook and and just plastering your name everywhere is not what you need to do. What you huh? need to do is get your music featured somewhere. And that's how you build that following.
1: You've also got to write good music. I mean, that's the other thing. Just just because you write shit, just because you write shit, you know, doesn't mean that
0: everybody's going to jump on board. Right. And, and that, and that's, that's ultimately it. So it wasn't that way 15 years ago when a band who got signed because they were, in a lot of cases, easily controllable. Suddenly they're just saying everything they make is great. And all the radio stations have to play it because they're all owned by the same damn company. That's right. At the end of the day, the whole public doesn't know any better about what they're listening to. It's not that way anymore. And Mm -hmm. and I'm so proud to say that because I think people now have a choice. That's how you have bands like neon Indian and all these crazy, like little bands that everybody knows them that everybody in certain circles knows about that are being successful. Now, the, the bar of success is very, very different, Jim. Yes,
1: absolutely. So, absolutely. But you know what? If you can put food on the table. Yeah. And have, live comfortably. Live middle class. Consider yourself successful. That, I think, yeah, I think that's successful. If you can, here's the thing. So we were talking about this um, during our, during our uh, break there. And um, it, we were talking about the fact that there were people who got millions of dollar record contracts who are now washing dishes. So you cannot cannot say, "Hey, I got millions of dollars, and now I'm going to make I, I'm going to be I'm going to be rich." Because you might be just like we talked about with uh, uh, meatloaf. You might be living in a trailer, scraping to make ends meet. The next, you know, a, a couple of years later, that million dollars can go just like that when it comes to paying for a night after night because somebody's going to pay those roadies. Somebody's got to pay that rider, so he's got to get those lights set up. You got so it. Cusses out there. Somebody's got to do all that work, and then and then hopefully sell enough sales to pay for that night, and then go on to the next one. And now it's a completely it's all shifted. We saw we've we've heard people bitching about record I mean, um, uh, ticket sales and ticket prices. So now the ticket price used to be I could I saw Journey for like seven dollars when I was a kid. I, I, you're not going to get that now. You might get a lawn seat for you know twenty five bucks, and the and the fact is that. Um, we've, got, we've got a completely different thing going on. And nobody did VIP sales. You just fucking, you waited out back. You That's white, an- another
0: remote. bunch of horse shit. Huh? Look, they're yeah. trying to do anything they can to hang on to the money. You, you, and you know the bands, you, you, you've seen them. You know there are some that are guilty of like, how can I exploit my fans so that I can continue to leave, live the same insane lavish lifestyle I did when every yeah. record I put out was 5 million sales.
1: And I snorted all that money. Yes. But here's, here's the thing. As long as, as long as you can, you know, you can sell some records, maybe do um, a couple of interviews here and there, a small tour and, and uh, you know um, uh, maybe give lessons online or something. Or yeah. Something, I mean, you can like have a living in music. You can. you can, you can do it. There are people who, gosh, there are people who do. It's a perfect Great. example. You think that guy's walking around making the dollars in his bank account? Greg Koch, here's a funny story about Greg Koch. And, I, and I'd love to get him on the show to tell, tell us more about this. But his wife came home and said, I'm going to stop working. You need to make enough money to make ends meet. Yeah. And, and here's a guy who had yeah. been doing this stuff for years. He'd been doing, he had worked for Fender. He had worked for Hal Leonard. He'd done all this other stuff. And all of a sudden, he's like, uh, how do I make enough money to make ends meet? Yeah, no, this is a guy who was in his, his 30s or 40s when he was. It was finally, honey, you got to make ends meet. I'm going to sit at home with the kids now. And it was like, because uh, mm, uh, I think he and I are about the same age.
0: Yeah. Well, guy, he's slightly younger than you, but but yeah. Slightly, yeah.
1: But not that much. I think he's 50.
0: Yeah, he's like a couple of years younger than you. It's not. So
1: he was like in his thirties, you know, mid to late thirties when. Uh, yeah, and she's like, I can't to do
0: this. So like, I have to stay with kids. Yeah, but that's a perfect example, though. Is like, there's a guy who has managed to do it. Now, does anybody have the talent that that Greg Cox does? Mm-hmm. I, I have not met very many people who could no. even touch. But that's but exactly. that's my point. Not everybody is cut out to do this job. No, no, and. We all everybody is Troy that. Grady or Greg for the most of us, For most of us, we are, we are practical and we are hobbyists and we understand that. And then there's like those people that are cut above and then there's the people that are cut above them and then there's those guys that actually do get to make a living doing it. That's and if right. you want to be those guys, we've talked about this on the show before. There's an episode called How to Go Good Guitar. There's a lot of things you can do, but you That's may right. not have the talent to
1: do it. That's why we interview these people, because, you know, the truth of the matter is that, uh, folks, I have a goal. And I'll tell you, in, um, in five years or so, I want to stop working for the government. And I, and I want to start working in music. But that goal can't happen overnight. And I don't see it. I, I'm not going to write the next Mambo number 5. And Oh, so,
0: God, why would you want to?
1: Well, to make money. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> really? There goes I mean, his I, integrity!
1: <laughs> yeah, no. And that's what we were talking about right before we started back up is David has integrity because he doesn't care. I care. I, I no, would, I, do, I do care. Well, he cares about his music. He doesn't care about the money. I care about the money. No, I, 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 care I less about the music. It, tr- trust me, I do care about the money, is, but... I would rather write the next brown eyed girl, the next Mambo number five, the next I kissed a girl and I liked it. I would rather write that and be known for the rest of my life, laughed at. I would rather be Rebecca Black and laughed at for Friday for the rest of my life. But you know what? I'm cashing $10 million checks. Yep. I got yeah. this. But I see, got but, this. But
0: see, that's the, there's a difference because you have to. And live. she
1: never had to go on tour. You only she had never, to live
0: with yourself for like another 10 to 15 years. At yeah, that I'm point. Die. <laughs> right, right. And so I would have to live with myself for hopefully the next 20 years at that point. Hopefully, um, more
1: than that. Geez, you'll only be my age in 20 years. I'm planning to die young. Um, so <laughs> you guys do realize that David's young enough to be my kid.
0: Yeah, I'm 30, I'm 33. I'll be 34 on the 11th of December.
1: And I'm 54. I'm gonna be 55 here shortly. Yeah. But, but the point is, I don't want to be 60 years old and continuing to go into an office every day. And so, yes. I do want to start, I've, you know, I've, I've started breaking the thing for um, uh, doing lessons. I've already made, um, you know, uh, um, friends in the, you know, in the touring industry, because believe it or not, I just want to leave my house empty most of the time, which is why my guitars are, and my gear is scattered, because I don't want anything to be here stealable. Uh, you know, they can steal this microphone and a couple of guitars, most of these would go on the road with me if I went. So I, I don't want to be that person. I want to um, go out there and do that stuff. And so if, if somebody came to me and said, Jim, you know what? We heard that one song that you wrote in 1987, and we love it. We want you want: when you were drunk? Do it. No, no, no. That was in <laughs> 1981. I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, 82. I'm just kidding. That, was 82. Just that was 82. No, the one... Um, the, the, I wrote an album... I wrote an entire album of songs solo, and I recorded it solo. This was back before the days of perfect pitch and all that, Well, I shouldn't say perfect uh, pitch, correction. Nick use, Nick Mackey, is this pitch correction. You mentioned that Nickelback uses pitch correction? There's no pitch correction. There's nothing. That, um, <clears throat> so uh, I wrote an album of songs. They were very derivative songs. If you listen to it, you would say, yep, yep. He listened to a lot of Bob Seger. And, that sounds like know, the cure. <laughs> Uh, who is it? who else was I listening to? A lot of America and um, John Mellencamp and that stuff. It sounds exactly like John Mellencamp, Bob Seger, America, and maybe a little Bruce Springsteen.
0: Wow, um, like there's one guy in that whole list of people that I actually enjoy listening to.
1: Yeah, and and I hope it's not Springsteen. But no, it's not. It's
0: not, it's not. <laughs> good
1: because. Uh, but anyway, I, you know the point is, <clears throat> it was derivative music, and I knew it, but it got some college airplay, and and I used to play it, um, and. And, you know, I sold a few copies of a cassette. This was a four of the days of CDs. I Shit, sold man. some cassettes.
0: <laughs> you still have the masters for that around?
1: Um, actually, a friend of mine does. And uh, the fact is, I'd love to get it digitized.
0: Are they two-inch two tape?
1: It was two-inch tape.
0: So you're going to have to have it baked.
1: Yeah, it's so going to have to be. And, and <clears> throat> the, throat> the fact of the matter, I know, I know. That's why and nothing has happened with it. It's still sitting um, at a friend's house, his name is Jeff, and he actually lives out by you. Believe it or not, oh, yeah. a he lives on uh, that side of. Um, anyway, <clears throat> point is, I I know better than to think that somebody's going to walk up to Jeff and go, "Hey, you know that guy had some hits that was right. played on ODU's you know radio station for a while and had a couple of. His own. We want to get his. I I know better than to think. maybe, but yeah. Well, and I might win the lottery next week. Of course I'd have to buy a ticket,
0: but legitimately. So, you know, we talked about you, you said that, that I I don't really care about money. That's not true. That's actually complete opposite. I think finding the right balance between being able to hold on to, you know, what makes you, you as well as, you know, making a bit of money on it. Now I've always told people though, (laughs) I, I'm not the guy that like, okay, so if you give me a million dollars, I'm probably the guy that's going to donate, you know, everything I don't use to charity. There's no point for me fucking having it. Like I'm not, look, you can only enjoy things so much. And I laugh because I see these guys like, um, I'm not saying Nickelback, but there are people out there that, you know, have made a billion dollars in, in, you know, music. And it's like, they got all this money and what do they do? They buy five fucking mansions, 40 Ferraris. It's like, how many fucking cars do you need? Yeah. Uh, you know, how many cars are you going to drive? I just don't understand it's my, maybe it's because I'm a millennial, but it, it's just mind-boggling to me that somebody would look at that and go, man, that means I get to do this like 30 times." Like, yeah, the truth
1: is. What? The truth is, I want to sell my house, or I mean, buy my house, um, that I'm in. Don't care, Don't need a big house. Buy this little dinky um, postage stamp of a home that I'm in. Um, and uh, you know, get a car. But I watched them. I could literally pay the taxes on a million dollars and still have like, what is taxes on a million dollars? Like $450,000. I would still have like $500,000 after I got done buying what I wanted to buy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have that much much cost.
0: Do you remember the the MTV, and I know MTV sucks, but do you remember MTV Cribs? Yes. I forget who it was, but I think it was like POD or something like that they went through the cribs of like all the stars and like there were always these freaking fancy chateaus and, you know, in LA and, and, or, or in uh, Beverly Hills. And then like, they went to, they went to like POD or or lit or somebody like that. And they're literally living in like, like a house, on, you know, on the end of like some middle-class street. Yep. And those guys, guess what? Those guys still got all that money. Yeah. Like they're still sitting on millions of dollars and they don't care. Like they don't have to do another thing every day. They're you like, know? So that's, that's my biggest fear is if I was to write, and, and listen, it's not going to happen, people. I'm not that good a songwriter, but if, but if I was going to write a big, a big hit and I was going to get all this money, my biggest fear is that I would have to repeat that hit.
1: That's, the, that's everybody's biggest fear. They, they call it the sophomore slump when it comes to records. Um, you get these, what, what a lot of people don't remember is you spend your whole life writing that first record. Your whole life, yeah, and then you Most have to do the second song. one in like
0: three weeks. <laughs> you're like, you're like, what the hell am I doing now? You know, Oops.
1: yeah, yeah. oops. How many ba- and how many bands? Most bands been-
0: are broken by that second record. You'll see lineup changes. You'll see people. You'll see bands that completely implode, never get to record two. You'll see bands that get through record two, but they never sound the same. You'll see. Gonna, I mean, like, it, it record two
1: is what makes a band, not I'm record gonna, one. I'm going to give you a a band name you've probably never heard of, mate. Kaja Gugu. So the band Kaja Gugu had a huge hit, but it was too late. The band lineup had changed by the time the hit made, and it was called Too Shy. And so here's this song. Here's this song, you know, you're too shy shy. You know, so the song comes out. Yes, it's a silly pop song, very silly pop song, but the band couldn't redo anything. Because they didn't have the people, didn't anymore. have the people, <laughs> they're gone. So, get
0: yeah, classic example, but that, uh, um, we've been recording for a really long time, there's gonna be a lot of editing in this episode, so uh, yeah, with that, I've been David, I've been Jim, and we've been the practical
1: guitarists or impractical this time, yeah. Who well, knows? this is technical difficult.